things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Today's guests are Eric DeRosa and Mark Fernandes, two former Boston guys who didn't know each other until they connected in Colorado, where today they host the podcast From Survivor to Thriver. Eric and Mark, welcome to Next Steps Forward. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having us. We're uh, really honored to be on with you this afternoon. No, honored to have you guys. Thanks so much for your time. So before we get started, I just mentioned that you two are former Boston guys living in Colorado. We did a Zoom conversation last week, and one of you was wearing a Pat sweatshirt. The other was wearing a Red Sox sweatshirt. I won't hold that against you right now, but is there any such thing as a former Boston guy? Uh, short answer, no. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have a background in performance, so my accent doesn't quite uh, show up. But if anybody's watching this video, if you look over my shoulder, that's a signed picture of Louis Tiant that my dad gave me when I was like, three. Uh, so yeah, no, we're, we're, we're Boston guys in Colorado. We love living where we live. Um, but uh, even without nostalgia, there's definitely a love and a tug uh, to back home. Yeah. And I have to agree. Can't see it here, but right over my, right over my screen is a very famous Jason Veritek, A-Rod photo. Uh, and so yeah, the face wash, the face wash. So yes, Mark <laughs> and I, and Carlton Fisk is just above that. So Mark and I are still Boston guys through and through with a quick little detour through New York city on our way to Colorado. Well, and as my uh, listeners know, you know, there's no, um, you know, questioning where my allegiance is. So for those of you watching, I had to bring my Yankee hat here today just to keep these, uh, these massive. I won't start a Yankee suck I won't start a Yankee suck chat, I promise. <laughs> the show's still early. It's okay. We've got time. <laughs> so I'd like each of you to take a few moments, tell our audience your backstories, what drew you to Colorado, and how you eventually ended up meeting each other. Sure. So I grew up in southeastern Massachusetts in a small town called Somerset, uh, about 15 minutes to the east of Providence, Rhode Island. And Grew up there, went to school, and I'll clarify this for Mark, just outside of Boston and Waltham at Brandeis, where I met my wife my junior year. And when we graduated, we moved to New York City. I spent 18 years in and out of the uh, Wall Street and finance world. And in 2011, we decided rather than working to take vacations and come out to such a beautiful place like Colorado, why not just move to Colorado and spend our time skiing and doing what we really wanted and what we really love. So here we are today. Well, and my, my steps are a little more happenstance, Eric, uh, as in most things, a little more, uh, uh, intentional. Um, but you know, I grew up across, across the, across the river, across the Totten river from Eric in fall river, Massachusetts. Um, I'll use a different landmark, about an hour south of Boston. Um, I did go to school in Boston, um, met my wife my junior year of college at Boston University, uh, studied theater, um, and uh, did a lot of production work, film work as well. Uh, spent some time uh, in Boston working, and then 19 months and 22 days in LA. Uh, I know that exactly because it didn't really agree with me. Uh, five years in New York, and then my wife actually also worked in the finance field um, on the management side. And so um, she had a great opportunity that moved us to Denver. And I had learned how to ski the year before. And I joked with everyone that once I moved to Colorado, I'd become a ski bum. Um, and then, you know, here we are <laughs> uh, 18 years later. And um, I'm, a, I'm a certified instructor trainer uh, with PSAA National. And um, I still train ski instructors, teach skiing, um, manage a couple of properties and, you know, do the podcast with Eric and, um, and also a voiceover actor. I've, I've got back into that world after a long hiatus. So you're like me, you've got a face for radio is what you're saying? Well, you know, I, I, that's up to other people. Um, I like, you know, I absolutely have a face for radio, but I think, uh, lately I, I, um, I like to say that I, I have a voice for web-based commercials. How about that? That's the business I want to bust into. That's the 21st and some audio century. Books too. I love that. I love that. <laughs> 
So you've each faced your own mental health challenges. Would you share those chapters of your lives, please? Um, Eric wants me to start. Um, for me, it was three, it was three real chapters. And um, as often is the case that we've learned even before this, but we've seen more and more in our journey with the podcast is it all starts in your childhood. And um, we're not here to place blame or to point fingers at parents or families or anything like that. It's just, we essentially learn how to be humans as children. And we often have things that happen or that we don't understand as children that create for lack of a better term, mental habits or mental wiring um, that can become a challenge later in life. And it was interesting, Chris, listening to your, um, just listening to your intro, which I've heard before, but of course you always hear it with new ears when someone's about to ask you a bunch of questions. You know, this idea of a next step forward, um, I think really aligns with this idea of a mental journey because, you know, a lot of times it can be a mental injury. You know, I grew up um, I grew up, I was adopted by who I call my dad, but I didn't really have a relationship with my biological father, you know, being raised by a single mom for a couple of years who was quite young, you could automatically see some challenges that would be associated with that. And then at the age of seven, I was having huge self-esteem issues and was super advanced and mature in certain areas and not in others. And um, my parents really just didn't know what to do or how to handle me. So I started my journey in therapy, believe it or not, at seven. Um, and then was very successful at that time. And then in college um, was dealing with depression um, and some suicidal ideations. Um, and to be very clear, never an attempt um, and never even really planned an attempt, but just, uh, you know, had thoughts of, you know, trying to figure out how to silence the voices in my head is kind of how I would describe it. And then I had a pretty successful therapy work there in a year. And then um, after my dad died, uh, my my dad who adopted me and I grew up with um, in 2018 uh, had something that I later realized I had dealt with anxiety at different points in my life, but I named it other things or didn't sort of accept it for what it was. Um, and so then had about a year and a half journey. Um, Eric and I actually share a therapist out here in Colorado amongst a lot of other things we share um, and am still on that journey. It never kind of finishes, but um, I'm in a pretty whole and healthful place right now. So I kind of feel like my story is a bit uh, more Lord of the Rings. So various, various books and not only chapters, but, uh, you know, I like to think about it and Mark talks about it as a journey. It's, it's very much a nonlinear journey. Uh, it's a journey which uh, I think we're always on and the twists and turns that it takes are often unexpected. And so very similar as, as Mark had said, it usually stems somewhere in our childhood, never, of course, uh, intentional. Uh, but as you often discover later in life, there are things that may have just never been dealt with or processed at the time. And as a, as a child, your subconscious starts to develop these specific reactions and, and thought patterns develop. And so all of the way through, I would say, grade school, middle school, high school, into into college, I knew there was something, I, I'm going to use air quotes here, not normal about the way I used to think, the way I used to process. Uh, and it wasn't until I was in New York City and in 2004, I had my first dissociative episode, which uh, for lack of a better term, we'll call it a nervous breakdown. And it was then that I finally, at the urging of my wife, went to see a therapist and I was diagnosed with both general anxiety disorder uh, as well as OCD. And my OCD, and I think we'll probably get into that a bit later, often manifests itself with intrusive thoughts, intrusive thoughts, which oftentimes can be, can be quite scary. Uh, I thought things were getting better or always sometimes are, are, own doctor. And so I stopped taking my medication and stopped going to see my therapist. And in 2006, uh, it was dissociative episode number two. Uh, the second one was much more powerful, it knocked me off my feet. Uh, I lost a weekend of my life, so to speak, for uh, three days. It was Labor Day weekend. And it was at that point when I realized I really needed some significant help. And so went back to my therapist and through a course of talk therapy and medication was able to get myself back on my feet and back on, back on the journey. And things were 
going quite well, as as Mark can attest to. Uh, and uh, just as uh, the journey is nonlinear, uh, about four weeks ago, I hit another bump in the road. I was uh, on holiday of all places in, in Maui. And it goes to show that uh, mental health doesn't discriminate against uh, any socioeconomic background, nor does it discriminate against any beautiful location in the world. And I woke up in the middle of the night with a panic attack. And once again, I'm back on that journey to uh, to better mental well-being. And uh, it's for me, it's no better time than the present as we're doing the podcast and, and really trying to bring awareness to the topic of uh, mental health conversations. Thank you both for sharing that. And, you know, one of the blessings I found of, of having this show is in addition to having great guests like yourselves on here and, and talking to you and, and hearing and learning about your stories and your journeys, I learn a little bit about myself each time as well. And so, you know, Mark, listening to you, I was raised by a single mom, uh, my grandparents, you know, people kind of rotating in and out in terms of, you know, being a caregiver. And so as I hear different stories, I'm able to piece and thread the other different th- things of my past. And so uh, thank you both for opening up uh, a couple of doors for me there. Well, and it's so interesting because for me, I, I, and I have to say, um, you know, my mom is one of my biggest fans, so she'll definitely be listening and this will give her a giggle. I was essentially raised by a village of women until my dad showed up. I had, I was lucky enough. My mom was a young mom um, and there is some longevity in my uh, family. So I had a, I had a great grandmother alive, um, grandmothers, aunts, great aunts. And um, so, you know, it's one of these interesting things. I don't want people to hear that and be like, oh, you know, just another person who had a really tough childhood. There's, there's stuff in there for everyone, you know, and that's, I'm watching Eric shake his head. Yeah, it's, absolutely. And, and, and it doesn't mean it was abusive or it was this or that. Like it, it's just, you know, Eric said it really well. Like, you know, our, our mind essentially creates this, you know, thing that it's like, oh, this is how life is. And it, ha- and it can happen at six months, two years, five years. And that wiring is almost operating behind the scenes. And we have no idea until, until it sort of the wires get crossed, so to speak. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, my parents were divorced when I was, you know, two or three years old. And so that's all I knew. And I remember meeting friends, parents for the first time in elementary school. And they'd say, well, you know, what's your dad do? I'm like, oh, my parents are divorced. And the immediate response was, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, what yeah. are you sorry for? And first of all, that's all I knew. And right. you had nothing to do with it. So it's just interesting that the psyche and now, you know, fast forward 30, 40 years later, you know, di- different mindset. Well, and sometimes it's a positive too, right? Like my, you know, in, in parts of my story, like some of those people that weren't there, it may have been better that they weren't, right? So, or, you know, I'm obviously building meaning and I don't know your parent's story, but often, you know, if a marriage isn't working, it is actually healthier for the child for them to split up, even though it can create other problems. So it's like, you know, we all have our story. There's, there's good and bad in it, no matter what. Um, and especially as kids, like we don't have control over that stuff. And I think that's, you know, looking at it as a grown up trying to make sense of this stuff and, and, you know, be the best version of ourselves. And, you know, and that's, I guess that's why I always send out that little like uh, disclaimer of like, Hey, this isn't about like, Hey, parents are ruining their kids. I don't, I don't feel that, think that, you know, my, my family life was actually pretty damn awesome. So let's talk about what brought us together here today. How did a couple of guys from Boston decide that you're going to do a podcast together? I give Eric all the credit, so I'm going to make him take this one. <laughs> so it, uh, it it dates back all the way back to November of 2020, uh, I, I jest. But I was, again, in my other favorite location. I had just flown back from uh, Maui and landed in Aspen and looked up at the mountains, and we were still deep in the heart of COVID, and it dawned on me this ski season was going to be completely different from any other ski season that we had ever experienced out here. And part of it was I never, and I realized that after the fact, I never really mourned the end of the prior ski season. Things ended so abruptly. Mark and probably comment on it. We were at his house when we found out that the ski season had come to a close. Having a super spreader, a 10 person dinner party. uh, Yeah. Dinner party. And we all, (laughs) we all looked at each other and, and our immediate reaction was, I can't believe the season's over, but we got to get out there tomorrow and we're going to go hike and we're going to go ski. So we never really brought any closure to that. So when I got off the plane and I looked up, I thought, wow. And it, it really started to overwhelm me. 
And I came home and I was having a little bit of trouble sleeping and concentrating for a few days. And I remember getting up one night and I started to just write furiously. And originally the title was Ode to a Ski Season Lost. And it later became the the genesis for the podcast because I remember approaching Mark and I said, he and I are lucky enough to have the resources and the tools and the community around us to help us when we're struggling with our mental health. But what about all those people out there who are not? And that was when the podcast was really born. It was born out of wanting to destigmatize this whole idea of having mental health conversations and letting people know that they're not alone. And and it really did take place in his kitchen, over the kitchen counter, uh, just from some legal pad notes that I had jotted down. And here we are talking about it today. Well, and Eric had decided I was the expert because I had hosted 14 episodes of a podcast that I had put on SoundCloud with my therapist at the time. And, you know, I'm speaking for Kathleen a bit out of turn here, but really in a lot of ways, she was like, hey, and it was just at the advent of the pandemic. She was like, people are struggling. What can we do? And she'd been pushing me to reenter this world of performance and using my voice and uh, being creative. And she was like, you should be a podcast host. Let's do one. Um, and so there are some early episodes of that. And then, you know, so, and not only was it in our kitchen, uh, that Eric approached me with this, but it was, and I've been realizing this as we go forward is we essentially want to have kitchen conversations and we're probably hijacking your <laughs> podcast here too, is, you know, this idea of, of, you know, uh, with Thanksgiving, you know, about to be here and, you know, everyone's afraid to talk about politics or religion. So I'll say this, talk about mental health with your friends and family when you're sitting down for some turkey ham or whatever your, <laughs> whatever your thing is, because I think the thing that's so important to Eric and I is just have the chat, ask the questions and look, it's not easy, but you know, nobody wants to talk about the government either. And we still end up doing it. So why don't you fight about something that could actually save somebody's life? You know, it, it's so great points on that. And you know, the, the show is a little bit over a year old now, and I'd say roughly two thirds of our shows have been focused on mental health. And unintentionally, it's just sort of the, the world we're in now. It's the, it's the path that we've kind of gone down. And the, the one good thing of this pandemic, to your point, Mark, is that it's put a spotlight on mental health in a good way. And to the point where it is a conversation you can have at the kitchen table or the kitchen counter. And, you know, we'll talk later, but, you know, the phrase, it's okay to not be okay, is becoming more and more commonplace. And so, you know, we'll get into that, but love what you guys are doing and then appreciate what you brought to, to the forefront here. So in terms of the podcast, why did you choose the name from Survivor to Thriver? Ah, actually, yeah. Yeah, no, this one's you, buddy. This is this all is, on yeah, you. This is all me. So we're, so we were standing in, in Mark's kitchen. And so on the way over to Hawaii on that flight, I watched Rocket Man and I, I had never seen it before. And as I was watching the movie and getting deeper and deeper into the movie, I started to draw so many parallels between Elton John's story, my own story. Things were just sort of bouncing off the screen. And then the song I'm Still Standing came, came on to the movie and I'm almost going to tear up now. And I had never, when I was growing up, I knew the song. It was part of my uh, you know, early teenage years, but I had never really taken the time to listen to the words. And I finally listened to the words and I kept replaying it, replaying it, replaying it. So when I was standing in Mark's kitchen, I said, I want to name this thing. I'm still standing. And Mark kind of laughed at me and he's like, oh, that's such a great title. And so I mentioned Except it. Except I immediately was like, uh, copyright. Copyright. I was like, we're going to have to make some phone calls. Yeah. And, then my, and then my wife, who's a writer and deals with all those types of issues, said, it's a great idea, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Elton's going to shut you down pretty fast. And so we, we started chatting a little bit more. And to be honest with you, from Survivor to Thriver just kind of popped into my mind. And uh, there wasn't anything that really preordained it. It, uh, it, it. To me, it was more once we had the name, 
the logo because our logo is a Siberian tiger. And just that idea of how Siberian tigers at one point were becoming extinct and were really just trying to survive in the wild. And they brought them back and now they're thriving. They're one of the world's strongest animals. And and to me, that's really the point of, of the whole podcast is we all go through things in our life when we're surviving and we're getting through. But But the real story is what has, and we'll talk about that I'm sure more, but what gets us from just surviving to actually thriving and and taking ownership of it and and living our our best life possible? Well, let's stick with that for a minute. You know, how do we make that step or the necessary steps to move from survivor to thriver? It looks different for everyone. Um, And the thing that we've noticed and, and the piece that we really are sort of honed in on or focused on is either the realization um, that there is something amiss or that you need to do something about it, or what's even more difficult or can be challenging for people is they've realized there's been something amiss, but they don't know who to ask, who to tell, what to say, um, or they're afraid to, you know, whether it's the stigma of admitting the vulnerability or that you're scared um, or, you know, just the dependence or the feeling of like, I don't know who to tell or how am I going to fix this? You know, it, it, you know, so often when you hear people who are struggling um, with whatever it is, whether it's depression, depression, OCD, anxiety, bipolar, there's always a sense of they're alone. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're suffering in silence alone and they don't know what to do about it. And, you know, for us telling our stories um, and having other people tell their stories. And I think, I think the key is that focus of, you know, you have to sort of open up, be vulnerable, and then find your community and help, whatever that is, whatever kind of treatment it is, to move through to thriving. And then Eric's story and my story as well are a perfect example of you don't just get to a point and you're like, got this, right? There's there it's a lifelong journey and you know. Different things show up for different people at different times, um, but, you know, you have to create habits, understanding, and a community around yourself that can help you uh, just continue on that journey. And we're going to talk about community a little bit later in the show, but right now, you know, I promise you a couple of uh, shameless, gratuitous plugs. When does your podcast air and how can our listeners find you? Sure. So podcast airs every Tuesday morning. We have a new episode out. Uh, It's called From Survivor to Thriver. And you'll see the big logo with the black and white Siberian tiger on it. So we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, all the major podcast uh, networks. We are also, we have a Facebook page called From Survivor to Thriver. And so on Tuesday mornings, we release our new, both the audio file as well as uh, the video file. And on Instagram, you can find us at our handle at Brush Creek Thrivers. And then my personal Instagram handle is at Ski Sherpa and Mark's is at Mark from CO. Very, you know, super imaginative. Mark from Colorado. <laughs> Mark with a C though. I spell it, you know, I very creative of you. Um, so you said that one of your goals is to disrupt the discussion about mental health. Why does that conversation need disruption? And how will we, will, I'm sorry, will disrupted and restructured discussion better serve us? Sure. So, you know, disrupting, and, and when we use the word disrupting, we realized we needed to do something bold uh, because that was how we were going to get people's attention right and and the conversation really needed to happen and it and it needs to continue to happen just like with anything else when with the HIV crisis uh, and with cancer one of the things I like to think about is not just disrupting but really it's this idea of upending the front end of the mental health space. And that's really this idea of what we're trying to do is build a bridge from the front end, which in some ways doesn't really even exist, which is having that conversation to the back end where there are tremendous resources available to people from from therapy, uh, Western medicine, Eastern medicine, all different sorts of apps and technology. 
But we need to find a way to start driving people there. And the only way we're going to do that is with podcasts such as what you're doing, Chris, what we're doing, having those conversations and, and really shaking things up out there. And if I could add to that, Chris, you know, the fact that you're saying, you know, 60, 70% of your shows are based around mental health, tell me that not only is there a need for this, but there's a need for many voices. There's a need for um, there's a need for pushing sort of the margins of the space larger. You know, we, um, we realize that it's unique, that it's two guys sharing their mental health journey. It's not something you see a lot. And, and we know that that's important. And, you know, unfortunately we live in a community, you know, the mountain West, um, specifically Colorado, the Rocky mountains, all the way up through Alaska have the highest incidence of male suicide in the world. And so our community has been rocked multiple times and we live in a community that has resources. These people could have, could have found um, help and didn't. And, and that breaks our heart um, for them, those families, those friends, these communities. And, you know, that's, it's really where the passion started and lies both in our own journeys and what we've seen in our community. And we're going to talk about the work you've been doing to help men open up about their issues after the break. We've been talking to Mark Fernandes and Eric DeRosa, host of the podcast From Survivor to Thriver. We'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back with Mark Fernandes and Eric DeRosa, hosts of the podcast from Survivor to Thriver. So during the break, Eric and Mark and I were talking about how the best laid plans go astray. And, and we've had a couple of conversations. We put a nice script together and we are way off script and, and but very much on topic. And so uh, I just want to let you guys know, I definitely want to have you back on the show because there's a lot of great stuff going on here. Um, yeah, but let's get to some of the meat here in terms of the topics. So another goal you've both expressed is to destigmatize without desensitizing. I love that statement. Could you please share some context around that? It almost makes me cry even thinking about it. It's so important. Actually, I am kind of tearing up. It is so important to not 
you can't make it sound commonplace. So, you know, we, we want to make the conversations more approachable and, you know, we don't want to have the stigma of, of, oh my God, you know, I'm just depressed and there's no way to fix it. And, but we don't want to desensitize it of like, oh, everybody struggles with this. Everything will be fine. You know? And that's because that doesn't push us forward. That doesn't change the conversation around it. And so really I often use the metaphor of like, you know, people used to not want to talk about having cancer or being sick in that way. Right. It was like the big hidden disease. And all of a sudden someone would die and they'd be like, oh yeah, they've been struggling with cancer for two years. And so much in that space has changed since people have come out and worn the ribbons, raised the money, looked at research, done those things. And all of a sudden it's like, no, this isn't a death sentence. You're sick. There's something we can do about it. And it, and if we can push that sense of the conversation and push it into the space of mental health is health. And there are resources. There are things that can help. There are things you can even do for yourself all by yourself. There are people who can guide you through this. Um, that's really, you know, that, that's, that's that pot at the end of that rainbow, so to speak, that we're all trying to get this towards, I think. And Mark, just to follow up there at the beginning of your response, you used the word we've said a few times now, stigma. Why is there such a stigma surrounding mental health? And we mentioned really I mean, Chris, I, I, conversation. I'm going I'm to ask the question to you. Do you feel like you're different now after the pandemic or even, you know, at the age that you're at versus you were probably in your mid twenties or thirties and are willing to say, yeah, actually I was sad yesterday or I felt a little depressed or I was reflecting on the fact that I, I lost something important to me and it's done. Do you feel better about having that conversation now than you did even a couple years ago? Absolutely. And I'm actually going to give credit to two things. One, unfortunately, is, is the pandemic. And two, yep. more importantly, is this show. Yeah. You know, talking to great think, guys like you makes you realize that you're not alone. Everyone is going through some struggle right now, whatever it is, and you're not alone. That's and that's, one thing and that's the key. And the stigma of it is that you feel alone. Um, you know, there's this idea that you can't see it. So is it even real? And even within the health system at times, you know, we push towards medication. We push towards mm -hmm. things in different ways. And, you know, we're looking for this magic bullet, you know, and, you know, sort of just want to solve it. And mental health sort of just like regular physical health has a lot of different tendrils that sort of leak out into different ways. And, you know, for me, talk therapy, meditation, and being very mindful about what I was eating and what I was uh, doing for physical exercise were really my recipe. That's part of Eric's recipe, but there are other pieces in it. And everyone, and I think that's some of it too. It's, it's really unique to the person. Um, so you have to be sort of transparent in a really vulnerable way. And let's face it, men, especially in the Western world, we're not conditioned to do that. You know, think of how many times you heard, don't cry. It doesn't hurt that bad, you know, whether it was physical or mental anguish. And that, you know, that serves us well in some places, but in this space, it doesn't serve us at all. And just just to add a little bit to that with the uh, with the mass, I'm going to use the mass hole punch right on top of that. Just I, mean, let's, let's, I couldn't resist. Sorry. Let's 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 be honest. Inherently, we're we're just not good listeners, right? Everybody everybody's so quick to judge. Everybody's so quick in our society, especially now with social media uh, so abundant. Everybody just wants to be very quick to answer and try to solve everybody else's problems. And so a lot of people are not willing to speak up out of fear of what are these people going to think? Or you were just saying, Chris, uh, and, and I couldn't agree more, that whole idea of I'm not alone. But so many people out there do feel that they're alone and they feel that nobody could possibly be experiencing or going through what I am. And if I open up and share that, what's that reaction going to be from the person on the other side? And so it makes people pull back. And unfortunately, as, as Mark had noted, we live in a, in a community here in the mountains where all too often, especially when we start to get into these shoulder seasons in between uh, mountain biking and skiing and, and, and the opposite, people spend a lot of time indoors. They don't get to see other people. And rather than picking up a phone or, or texting someone, uh, if they feel that they're in crisis, uh, they just kind of pull back and, and shut in. Well, I mean, you can even describe the pandemic has essentially been like off season for the rest of the world. I, you know, we've been sort of in this cycle. We're used to it in the mountain and resort communities. And essentially everyone else had to hit the pause button for way longer than we're designed to. And so I think, you know, what you spoke to earlier, Chris, and 
and what you're seeing in the next step forwards uh, podcast is so relevant and people are essentially having to face it now. We can't busy ourselves with other things. Like here we are in our house with our families having to like sort out who we are at that moment. And there, you know, there's no excuses. There's plenty. And I think that's it too. Like, you know, social media can be just as isolating as is connecting as I sit here uh, with awesome people getting to talk, but I'm actually by myself in my house. So it's this weird juxtaposition that we're living in right now. And as we continue to hijack Chris Meek's podcast here, I'm just going <laughs> to just just one more quick piece, Chris, on that whole pandemic. And, and this was really opened my eyes and I know Mark's eyes when we started doing the podcast early on when we were all still deep in lockdown is this whole idea that we have as a globe suffered a global collective trauma. And I don't think a lot of people recognize that trauma has many different forms and comes in many different ways, but we've all suffered this global trauma together and we need to figure out a way and hopefully through podcasts like yours and like ours and others, we can help be the voice to help lead people through that conversation and help them recognize that, yes, you have suffered trauma, it's okay, and there is a better way forward. Well, you know, and I've been saying this several times through previous shows that, you know, when we come out the other side of of COVID, whenever that is, because now we're heading heading in the winter months, we're seeing more spikes. I just found out this morning where I live in Connecticut, our numbers are growing faster than any place else in the country. You know, we're going to have a mental health tsunami. You know, and this wave is just building and building and building and it, it's coming. And when that crests, it's going to be a scary situation for us. And so, you know, it's great that people like yourselves are out there, you know, being champions for people. It's great that I'm able to guess like, like you on this show. But we need to expand that tent. We need to have more ambassadors that, for lack of a better phrase, and no offense, you know, have brand ID. Um, you know, hopefully if we get to the questions a little bit later, but, you know, we're seeing these professional Olympic athletes come out. You know, Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, uh, Lindsey Vaughn, uh, A.G. Brown from the Titans, Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. You need those people that can actually get the microphone and get the spotlight and go out there and be champions. Uh, somebody who I've been trying to get on the show for a year now is the owner of the Indianapolis Colts, Jim Irsay. And he and Darius Leonard, one of their star linebackers, have a program called Kicking the Stigma. And so the NFL is running with that big time, which is just fantastic. And so just being able to leverage the assets and, and the name idea that some people have I think it's really going to be something that's going to help move this mental health crisis is not the phrase, but this current, you know, tsunami we're going through these troubling times to help us all have this open community wide conversation. And so thank you for what you're doing. And well, you, Chris, what you speak yeah. to is so important because it, it will be a mental health crisis if we don't get ahead of it. That's, and, and I think that's the key. And you were just speaking and I'm, I'm sure you wanted to get, to that question. So we'll go to it. Uh, that whole idea with the Olympic level and professional level athletes and Mark and I were, were honored to have Tess Johnson on uh, episode 34 that we released a couple of weeks ago. And she's now over in Europe, but she's uh, one of the youngest members uh, in the history of the U.S. US ski team for mogul competition. And, you know, one of the biggest takeaways from having her on the show is this whole idea that athletes are human, just like we are, and they have the same feels and they have the same emotions and they have the same challenges and struggles that we do. And it was very interesting to get to listen to her speak about, you know, how people tend to hold, whether it's athletes or celebrities on these pedestals, and they don't want to recognize that they're humans as well. And they have these same challenges. And so I think it's, it's, we're finally starting to see celebrities and athletes start to feel a little bit more comfortable speaking out because, not that it's necessarily as relatable as some of the guests we may have uh, on our shows, but people are starting to recognize that, Hey, I need, I need people to see that I'm a human as well. You're especially focused on getting men to open up about their issues. You know, we talked before about Western society, why don't men open up and how do we get them to do that? So, yeah, and, and it hasn't aired yet, so I don't want to. I don't want to leak the whole thing. But we, <laughs> we, we have an upcoming podcast. It'll probably be out either the end of uh, December, beginning of January, with uh, Dr. Christian Heim in Australia. And one of the one of the 
topics of conversation we had on there is that men inherently are problem solvers. Uh, that's what they've been from the beginning of time. And men don't want to be seen as fail, failing or, or as a failure when it comes to trying to solve a problem. And we always think that as men, we can solve any issue that's put in front of us, no matter how long it's going to take. And I think that issue when it comes to mental health is getting men to speak up and and accept the fact that, yes, I am a man and that's totally okay, but I need to take that next step and admit, hey, I this is this is a problem that's bigger than me that I can't solve alone. Well, and I'm going to focus on uh, giving women credit and a focus that uh, we're not giving away too much of the episode, and I'll apologize to the doctor if we do, but women are, of the two sexes, the inherent communicators. They're the ones that are more willing to share things, ask the questions. You know, they're a lot more open to talking a little bit about, about their emotions versus men are not. So they're, you know, one of the things that we're sort of seeing as a leverage point that's become really important to us at first, we were like very male focused. We're like, guys, guys, guys. But then we realized how important women are in men's lives in order to break through that stigma and help them, right? My wife and Eric's wife, the two Amy's, if anybody's wondering, yep, it's weird. They spell their names different though, um, are, have been huge champions for us and breaking down some of those barriers and pushing us towards becoming that better version of ourselves. So, you know, we, as much as we want to help men and, and break down that stigma for them, women are often our champions in this. And, we, and, and I'm even going to say it, my wife doesn't listen, so it's fine. Uh, we should listen to them and, and, and let them help us. Mine doesn't listen either, so I'll agree with you on that one. Well, I, I, so I'm going to go on the record and clarify this because it is funny how Mark always does say that on the podcast. <laughs> She doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I don't clarify it. I let him clarify it. <laughs> Mine's just open-ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it is. Look at it. Now, now, that's a guy that's been married for a while and wants yeah. to stay that way. Nice work. Uh, hopefully she'll listen to that one. <laughs> so you've had a number of guests discuss suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation. What are the common themes, if any, between those people, their situations, or the thought processes? I mean, this, this is where it gets really sticky. It's, it's, it runs the gamut, but generally it is a feeling of being alone and it doesn't matter, right? That's one. The other big one is that the problems and the issues are so crushing that they see no way out. There's no solution. And, you know, I, and I'm going to be I'm going to put this huge caveat out. I'm oversimplifying it. And I don't, this is where we get into that removing the stigma without desensitizing or, you know, trivializing, but really you do see these themes of loneliness and, and a lack of a solution or a way out. Um, you know, I know Eric won't mind me sharing this, you know, in Eric's current journey, he's really been struggling and he hasn't felt well. And I shared a quote from a Robert Frost poem that I love, and it is, the only way out is through. But it, you can't see that or believe that if your mind is literally fighting you on it every step of the way. And so, unfortunately, you know, and, and it's not, if you're listening right now and you're having these kinds of thoughts, you will not get through this on your own. You will need help. You will have to find whether it's a lover, a friend, a brother, sister, mother, therapist, you, you've got to tell them. And if you're on the opposite end of this, it sucks. It is an awful thing to go through, but you have to ask the question and you can't beat around the bush. You have to look them straight in the eye and say, have you considered or are you making plans to end your life? And, and, and if anyone's watching this, I'm getting, I'm, my mass hole is showing. I'm finger pointing and, and laying it out, but it, it, it sucks, but that's the way it is. And if you care about someone and they're important to you and you don't ask that question, I will tell you, you will feel a million times worse if you don't. Yeah. Thank you for that. Oof, soapbox, baby. Sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. I got the yeah. drum behind me. I'll start beating it next. So you guys use the term brave spaces to describe your podcasts and other environments where individuals can freely speak about mental health. Explain to the audience what a brave space means and how you came up with the term. Sure. So I'm not going to take any credit for that term. It was actually brought to our attention by a guest and a friend, Mason Hostat, who lives here in, uh, in the Valley, just about 
uh, 30 miles from us. And it was actually a term coined by Brene Brown. And really what a brave space does is it's a place that encourages dialogue where participants can feel comfortable learning, sharing, uh, and, and growing without fear of judgment. And that's really what we're trying to do with our podcast is it's creating a space where people can talk. We have people from all different walks of life on, all different types of experiences on. And we also have people on from the treatment side as well, Western medicine, Eastern medicine. And what we're really trying to do is open up that conversation for people and not say, this is this is the right way, or this is the wrong way, or this is how you should feel, or this is how long your journey is going to take. It's all about just sharing so that people can understand a, I'm not alone. There's a community of other like-minded people out there who are there to help me and they're, who are there to support me. And, and often what you find is just by sharing that story in that kind of a space, the immediate weight is lifted and it actually becomes easier from that point forward. And I think the key is it's a clarification, right? People want safe spaces, but in this sort of arena, it's a misnomer because if you're really going through this stuff at the time, it doesn't feel safe. You're going to have to be brave. You're going to have to found, find a way to step into the space, own, be vulnerable. And I, and I think that's why it's so important to talk about it as brave versus safe. Talking about mental health can be very emotionally draining and taxing on individuals or to your point earlier, Mark, can be very liberating. How do the various conversations on your podcast affect each of you? So this is interesting because going through my own recent journey, it's, it's caused me to think back. There's always, in everyone's mental health journey, there's always a trigger. But the trigger is our reaction to what I like to now recognize as the inner child and the subconscious that was that was formed when we were much younger. But the setup often comes six, nine, 12 months in advance. And one of the things I, I've realized is doing the podcast and doing some of the other work that I, I do uh, with Sacred Cycle. So shout out to Sacred Cycle here in Colorado. I'd love to give back. I'd love to help. Uh, but at times, uh, even I've noticed that I, I'm a bit guilty of taking on other people's stories. And it's, it's what's made this most recent journey a little bit more challenging for me is doing, doing the podcast, but also doing it in live time with my own mental health journey. And so in many ways, it's also, as you said, very liberating because I also get to share with our audience, hey, when I say it's perfectly okay to not always be okay, well, right now I'm not okay. I'm doing better, but I'm not okay. And so it helps me to share my own personal story. It helps me to hear other stories. You were talking earlier, Chris, each, you know, each time you have a guest on, you hear a little bit something different that you can take away and maybe put some of the puzzle pieces together. And, and I think that has made, and Mark is really good about talking about this idea of hard landings versus soft landings. I've had a softer landing this time because by speaking with several of our guests, I've actually had the opportunity to process some of the things in real time on the podcast. And I've also been able to meet an amazing community of people who I didn't know existed before we did this show, who I've been reaching out to. And in fact, my current holistic healer, I'm doing both kind of a Western medicine and an Eastern medicine journey. My holistic healer was actually someone we had on the podcast and she and I had been making some plans for me to just do a Reiki journey, an eight week journey. And it just so happened that when I got back, I actually needed to do that more than I thought. So uh, I'd say it's kind of both sides of the coin for me. So full and fair disclosure, I think our listeners know that the three of us are not mental health professionals. We're advocates. So I get that out there. So my lawyer's happy with that. But <laughs> I, I, I said it because, and I've asked this question of other guests in the mental health arena who aren't professionally trained. We've all heard and maybe taken part in the growing discussion about how people receive information and how much we can actually trust the information we receive. The premise is that people no longer trust the government, as you mentioned before, Mark, big business, the educational system, 
and the experts have increasingly turned to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, God forbid, TikTok, and other websites. Hey, TikTok <laughs> makes me laugh, okay? So <laughs> I just scroll through the shit that's depressing, and I'm just like, I'm here for the giggles, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's almost as if as soon as one of those institutions makes a statement, people start to question its validity. Do you feel like you have an added weight, an added responsibility to get accurate information out? Or is it our responsibility as podcast hosts to let our guests share their stories and opinions and assume our audiences can sort out things and reach their own conclusions? I would say it's a little bit of both. You know, for us, we really try to push towards inclusivity because our experience and what we've learned is that so many people's journeys don't line up. They're not linear. There isn't one path to it. Um, so we really want to offer, uh, if there's nothing else to sort of encapsulate that statement is there is something out there for you, right? Like, and, you know, whether it comes from a partner or whatever it is, you know, your, your mom or dad probably told you the first time a girl or boy broke up with you that there's many fish in the sea and there's one for you, right? And we kind of feel that way about the mental health journey. Um, we probably disclaimer more than once every episode that we are definitely expressing opinions. Um, and we try very much any of the mental health advocates or professionals we have on. Um, we try to make sure we ask questions so people get a sense of like what they do and where it comes from. Uh, I'll give a shout out, episode 32, Dana Neural. Uh, she was a two-part episode, and that's the healer that Eric's working with. And she's super interesting because she is a Reiki healer who also happens to be an RN. So she has this amazing balance of understanding different modalities and things. So we we really try to approach it as that. The other thing I think it, that's so important is to know that you are sharing information. We are not, like, we're not answer men. We're not here, you know, we don't have a book to sell. Uh, we don't have a five-point plan that we're trying to get out there, um, which seems to make some people uncomfortable. They don't understand why we're not ready to sell ad space and and uh, write a book. But that's that's just not what we're doing. It's not what we're about. So we have just a few minutes left. What's your parting advice for audience about how they can feel more empowered, lead through adversity, and achieve their goals? So I would just say, you know, I think the big thing is, as Mark had said, when I called him the other night uh, and I was kind of, you know, in a, in a really down place, it's that whole idea. It does get better. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, surround yourself with loved ones, people who aren't going to judge, people who you know are going to listen. And if I could just use the words of uh, an earlier podcast guest, Veronica Viper, step by step and day by day. For a couple of guys from Boston, you're okay in my book. <laughs> I'll, I'll have you back anytime. We'd love to be back. Thank you. Yeah. Now, Mark Fernandez and Eric DeRosa, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. It was an honor. Thank it was you. an honor. Thank you. It was an honor. You know, happy Thanksgiving to both of you and your, your families. You as well. So much to be grateful for. No, uh, amen. And as always, thank you to our wonderful audience for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Meek Public Figure. And on Twitter, at Chris Meek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place. We'll have a leader from the world of business, politics, public policy, sports, or entertainment. Until then, have a very happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life. 